What does it look like to live as a Christian in a society that does not like what Christians believe, what we say, and how we live? You know, we saw some examples, and uh, if I forget to say this, they'll be up here to my left-hand side that you can greet them and just celebrate with them their testimonies. The only difficult thing I find about Baptism Sunday is I get to hear their long story. (laughs) You get to hear this much of it. But God is at work. God is doing incredible things. Amen? Amen. And no matter what situation or circumstance we find ourselves in, we have to understand the glory of God. We have to understand the power of God. We have to understand that we are on his mission. Amen? Amen. Now, last week, we looked at how living apart from God leads to insanity. And we looked at several cultural examples of our progress to insanity in this world. The text we look at this morning, we saw the dream two weeks ago. We saw the interpretation last week, and now the fulfillment of the dream. So Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 through 37. You can follow with me in your Bibles or on the screen. Daniel chapter 4. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Everything that was predicted, it came upon him. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling place shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives to it whom he will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers and his nails were like bird claws. At the end of the day, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. My reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can say his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me and I was established in my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right, his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. This is God's word. Now I want to look at four lessons this morning out of this text. And one I gave two weeks ago, but I just want to reemphasize it. Here it is. Everything that God says is true. Everything in the dream happens just like it was spoken. And we talk about seven periods. If you read commentators, some feel it was seven months. Some feel it was seven seasons, which makes about 1.75 years. Some believe it was for seven years. 
no matter what you believe, it was a significant amount of time. And when you look at scripture, there's solid biblical evidence that confirms that everything God says is true. I mean, take the prophecies of Jesus being the Messiah. In the Old Testament, there's one calculation. There's about 332 prophecies Jesus had to fulfill in order to be the Messiah that was predicted. And they all came true. So this thing we call the Bible, it's just not a collection of stories. Rather, it speaks to us about us and about life. How we might live even if everything around us is, is evil, if everything around us is falling apart, it instructs how we might live. Now, I'm fully aware, and I think you are too, there's competition for what we call truth. But truth must have a source. And the source is critical. And for many, the source is something other than God. Which usually means the source is me. Because I'm going to choose what I believe. And so often it's simply just another way we take back control of our life and the lives of those around us. And as we saw last week, that just leads us not to thinking well. If you're in control, it will not end well. See, as we looked at last week, pride makes us insane. And here's what pride does. It, it looks out at the good things in life and says, you know, that's me. I did it. I accomplished that. And I am owed all this. It also looks at the bad things in life and says, you know, I, I deserve better. Life's not fair and, and I'm owed, owed more. And we allow this to simmer inside us and it leads us to going insane because pride has many faces. But out of pride, there is this sense of oddness. Somebody else owes me. And sometimes it's God. We become the author of our lives rather than God. In Hebrews, it says that we should look at the author of our faith. But here, King Nebuchadnezzar looked at himself as the author. He said, listen, isn't this the great Babylon that I've built by my mighty power, by, for my glory and majesty? And while the words were still on his lips, what happens? God says what he already knew. And it was fulfilled what was prophesied 12 months before this. Lesson number two. How low and long can we go when it comes to insane living? I mean, here it's for seven seasons. Do you realize that this, this king lost everything, yet he still had everything. But he opted to live in the field, acting and eating like a beast. He was the absolute monarch of the world of his day. And when you read recorded history, there was no one of all recorded history that had such world domination. And he has all the king stuff. He had everything that you could imagine attaining and still his life does what? It falls apart. There's a new term floating around in the world of psychology. It's called narcissistic helplessness. What it refers to is you know how in our society there's a never-ending crisis going on? Everything's a matter of life and death. We've got the COVID pandemic. We're in the brink of nuclear war. The entire world's going to end due to global warming. Everything is racist and sexist. There is no justice. 
If I vote for the other political party, it will be the end of America as we know it. We keep hearing crisis after crisis after crisis. And it says all these crises make us feel like there's nothing we can do. So all we do is say, hey, (laughs) I'm going to live my life the way I want and I am going to go out on my terms. We talked about that in King Hezekiah two weeks ago when it was prophesied that Babylon was come and lay waste to Jerusalem in the next generation, he said, hey, as long as it doesn't affect me, I'm good. You know, our souls long for sanity, don't they? And here we learn that you can possess all the empires of the world and your soul still will not be satisfied. And what I've learned down through the years, and just let me put this in the context of marriage and family, because I think that is one of the core aspects of culture. What I've learned down through the years is that most marriages and families fall apart, not due to everything around them, but they fall apart with everything inside them. Everything else we give for tearing apart a marriage and families are what I call symptoms of something going wrong inside of us. And we've all heard these insanity stories, haven't we? Some are personal, some are friends, some are family. We heard some here this morning. People talking about where they've been and where they're at now. I still remember early in my ministry, there's a young man who came to me. He was married, he had kids. He was, they both were in their 20s. And he was using and selling drugs. And, but he said, you know what? He goes, I have it under control. I just use it for recreational purposes. And I just, I'm not a big seller. I just sell a little bit here and there, you know, to make some extra cash. Amen. <laughs> I don't know if you should amen down with Frank. <laughs> You've heard that before though, haven't you? One night, he got into a bad drug deal and he was killed out on the Columbia Bridge, the old one. It took his life. See, he had control. So how low do we have to go? It's one of the critical issues of our day, isn't it? It's one of the reasons why there's so much division, so much coercion and control. Uh, We use a term today called autocracy. A lot of times we use it in political forms, but it really has to do with how we live. See, autocracy does not believe in debate. If you disagree with someone who has a particular narrative and they believe in an autocratic way, they just view that as hate speech and ignorance. And you don't love me and you won't talk to me right. See, autocracy is me having myself as the master of the universe. And you hear stories like this, and I read one this past week. It's why in some circles, parents are not simply viewed as a, parents are not simply viewed as irrelevant irrelevant, they are seen as an impediment to the progress of the child. I just read an article about that, that, you know, we don't need parents. The schools and the government is going to raise our kids for us. Now, think about how autocratic we are with self. Have you ever said this? No one's going to tell me what I can and can't do. How about I don't have a problem. Everyone else is crazy. If only, and you fill in the blank. And remember, King Nebuchadnezzar had everything. He had a complete list of if onlys. And he still went insane. See, pride defaces our humanity. And we become the center of our universe. And that is absolutely crazy. I mean, think about that. 
When we do that, we're saying we know more than God does. There's a movie that maybe some of you have seen. It was Guardian of the Galaxies 1 and number 2. And the key character's name's Quill, and he wanted to be called Star-Lord, okay? And nobody knew who Star-Lord was. But he was an orphan. But in this sequel, he finds his dad. And his dad says, come to my planet. And he goes, what's the name of the planet? And he goes, Ego. I thought, this is not going to end well. And it doesn't. And I just have to think the person who wrote the storyline is telling us something about how insane we go with our own pride. Let me ask you some questions this morning. Could it be that your mind and heart are as clouded as King Nebuchadnezzar's? Could it be that your life is falling apart or is about to fall apart right now and you don't even know it? Have you blinded yourself? To Christ. I mean, listen to the language that you use, that we use. Here's what we say. Well, it's, it's my money. It's my time. It's my choice. It's my life. I'm owed. It's not fair. Look at me. Look at everything I've done. I deserve. And you know, I, I'm just so insulted because you don't appreciate me like you should. True humility sees everything as a gift. True humility, when we understand the dynamic of Christ, we see life as getting more than we deserve. Humility is recognizing that everything we have is a gift. And, and down through the years, and I've seen this so often, one of the arenas that people struggle with when we think about gift is money. I hear all the time people say, you know, it's really insane that God would expect 10% of my money or more. But think of it this way. Think that you need a loan. And you need a loan, let's say, for $10,000. And so you go to a friend. He agrees you to give you the money. He says, now, there's one condition. I'm willing to give you this money, but in return, I just want $1,000 back. That's it. And you say, let me get this straight. You'll give me $10,000, and all I have to give back to you is $1,000. He says, yes. And what's your response? Are you crazy? That's so unrealistic. Come on. Who do you think I am? That, that's crazy. No deal. No, you wouldn't say that. You'd say, let's make a deal. But see, auto autocracy, it goes back to who's in control. And it sees life as you being the master of the universe. Now, Think of it this way. Do you realize you didn't choose your race? You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose what country you're born into. You didn't choose your talents. You didn't choose the timeline. You didn't choose your gender. You didn't choose your abilities. You were placed here. And that is a gift. But autocratic living makes that placement. And you want to be something or somebody else. So here's the third lesson. I got to keep moving. Christian living is not dependent on what political party or figure is in charge. Amen? <laughs> it is dependent on following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, this does not mean that we do not get involved in politics where we live, or it doesn't mean that who's elected is not important. But Daniel's obedience was to God and God alone. And he lived in the midst of a very dominant, powerful, evil king. And he still lived for God. 
And what I find fascinating is that God gave him incredible influence. I mean, he was second in charge. And Daniel, I think, realized that he didn't earn this. You know, he didn't go to a school, get a university degree on how to interpret dreams. That wasn't hanging on his walls. He realized God's gift of interpretation of dreams that God sent in place to move him to his current position was all God. And he states that clearly at the first dream. So I kind of put that in there because we get so caught up in our country that our God becomes the political party we think should be in power. And it's just not true. It's a lie. You can be a dedicated follower of Jesus no matter who is sitting in that seat. Whether you're born in Ukraine or Russia or elsewhere. Here's the fourth lesson. I need to emphasize this. There is a way out. Amen? You can be healed from your insanity, but God has to do it. Okay? There is a way out. I mean, God shows us mercy every day. I think about Nebuchadnezzar says, I lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned. That was a gift. And then he says, I blessed the most high. I praised, I honored. He has dominion over everything. This is his kingdom. He's in control. No one can say, look what I've done. His works are right. His ways are just. It's kind of a nice way of saying, I got what I deserved. And now God has graciously given me something that I do not deserve. That's why I said, those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And I am living proof of this truth, King Nebuchadnezzar says. Now, later in the story, King allows some people to influence him back into pride. Almost cost Daniel's life or could have cost his life. It didn't. We'll get into that later. You might say Nebuchadnezzar was kind of a frequent flyer of being sane and moving to insanity. Kind of went back and forth. Now we've witnessed this morning four people who said we've had enough of the insanity. And we choose Christ's. And while that's an individual decision, it really is done in the context of community. And I think that's something we got to wrestle with in America. We just so often see it as just individual only and that's it. But no, it is the body of Christ. It is all collective together. And so we're responsible to come alongside of these people. And if they fall back into insanity, we pick them up and carry them back into the light. Amen? Amen. Now, here's how I want to end. And uh, I'm going to call the worship team out. We're going to sing a song in closing. But you need to understand if you're here this morning, there's no amount of evil or insanity in your past and present life that God through Christ cannot heal. Amen. I'm going to say that again, okay? There is no amount of evil and insanity in your past and present life that God through Christ cannot heal. And you have a choice right now, you have a choice right here. Your choice is I'll lift my eyes to heaven, I'll bless the Most High, I'll praise Him. I'll honor him. And how do you do that? You do it through confession. You confess your insanity. We call that in the Bible, sin. And you accept Christ as your Savior and Lord. Now, if this is what your heart and mind want this morning, I have people that will meet with you and help you through this process. It's just a matter of just sitting down, praying with them. It won't take long. But if you're here this morning and you want to accept Christ as your Savior and Lord, 
kind of just stand up, okay? Okay, there's one. There's two. There's three. Now, anybody else? Okay, uh, Sharon, Anna Mae, I'm going to help you to assist, okay? Take these three youngies. They're going to go in the back. Um, Sharon, my office is open. Just go back in there. You can use the office chair. There's enough seats then, okay? All right. I think we're going to need another baptismal service soon. <laughs> you know, it's mornings like this that uh, I hear people's stories and testimonies that says, you know what, sign me up for however long. Um, we live in a world that is just absolutely destroying people from the inside out. And the church is the hope because the church is the body of Christ and we worship the head. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, um, I thank you for the four that made a decision this morning to get baptized. We celebrate with them. I pray for the three now that are making that decision. You help them understand. and You just do a work in their life. I mean, it is something that we cannot pull off. Only you can. And we're privileged to help people see that. But thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to worship you. We pray these things in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Just a reminder, afterwards you can greet the four down here, but let's stand as we worship.